Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you all straight from the end of UFC 277 in Dallas, Texas, headlined by a woman's bantamweight title fight rematch between Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. Nunez absolutely getting it done this time around. One of those, it's weird because the later the fight got and the more tired Nunez got, uh, Nunez got, the more Pena started to have little moments in every round where you're like, oh man, is, is, is Nunez hurt? Is she going to get caught in the sub? Is she tired? What's going on? Could, could this be could this be the an arm bar? Could this be a triangle or whatever? And at the same time, Nunez completely dominated the whole entire fight. If you're actually looking at it in retrospect as a whole, it was just a one-sided action. Yeah, a complete and complete a complete performance yeah. and yep. as dominant as you can really be. I mean, Pena came close in a couple moments, but like, like you were saying. But outside of that, I mean, Nunez. She, how many times did she drop Pena? Like four or five? Yeah. Some the, absurd amount of times. Yeah. And like her check hook was so on point tonight. Six Apparently times? She's credited with six. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. She, yeah, no, she's credited with six takedowns, three drops. Uh, only three oh, drops? What? Yeah, they say all of them in the third round, in the second round. I thought maybe I think she dropped her in the first as well. She definitely dropped her in the first, couple times yeah. in the second. I guess that was it. Yeah, I think after that she she just took Pena down all the time after that. Yeah, she I mean it was great. I thought she was making a mistake by grappling, honestly. But... Yeah, I kind of thought so too, but then every time they were on the feet late in the fight she didn't really have the footwork to avoid Pena anymore, and Pena would just, like, crash into her over and over. So I can see why she would want to avoid what happened the first time around, where if it's just going to be a test of we're sitting in, ch- in front of each other, swanging away, she might be able to drop Pena, but if Pena just won't go away, Nunez might. It's just much safer to just get on her and just flatten her. Nunes just seems so much more prepared this time around. Yeah. M- much I, more like herself. I really don't like crediting X factors. You know, I, I tend to believe that people fight the way they fight. No more or less, no matter what. Occasionally somebody gets really sick. Occasionally they actually really have a horrible camp and it plays a part. But more often than not, you hear somebody like, Oh, I had a horrible camp and I had an awful weight cut and you see them in the fight and they're like, Yeah, yeah, you look like you always do. You look fine, you know. Um, but I do, I, I'm willing to credit that her camp was just awful the first fight and she looked way more confident and in control and out of her head and well aware of everything that was going on. Yeah. I mean, that, she was caught in some close submission attempts, but she was very intelligent with the way she escaped them. And yeah. she was doing damage with her ground strike. She split open Pena with an elbow I mean, she was firing everywhere. Uh, very intelligent, very intelligent yeah. fight from Nunez. I Dominant, saw somebody give one round, and that, that was Boy, totally not okay. 
of it yeah. of this of this of the rematch yeah <laughs> uh i don't think so no maybe the maybe they meant the sixth round maybe they <laughs> they were predisposed to believe that we would be exceptionally kind to Tamania in the sixth round well, and I'm they awarded gonna, her that hey I give her all the credit in the world for continuously getting up, for continuously throwing back, for yeah. looking for subs all the way up until the end. She never stopped trying. She was just outmatched, outgunned, outtechniqued everywhere, and that, like yeah. every step. It's. It, it, I mean, it is one of those things where, like, for for a one-sided ass kicking, the last three rounds of this were strangely compelling. Yeah, I mean, you know? you, you you have to give. Paying you credit for having the heart of a champion, like sure. gut, gutsy performance. That's that's probably as good as you can look in a one-sided fight. Yeah, that was this dominant. Yeah, and so all credit to her. It's just also one of those things where I mean, I remember, I think we, you, you and I were were on the call together for the sixth round when they fought the first time, and I remember just walking out of that you know, getting to the show and just being like, I can't believe it happened. I would not pick it to happen. I would not pick it to happen again. I do not believe that Juliana Pena just won that fight. It's wild, completely out of left field, completely unexpected. And this is why, because you have this fight again, and there is a way, there is a path for Amanda Nunes to not just dominate the striking, to not just dominate the wrestling, to not just, but to dominate like every facet, you know, to dominate the grappling, the wrestling, the striking, all of it, just win it cleanly because she's just better everywhere. Yeah, she's she showed why she's the goat tonight. Like she yeah. reminded us. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of doubters. You she know. did. I, I even I in my heart, having said all that, even even somewhere in my heart, I knew, like man, if Pena can just go out there and go after her and tag her up a few times, maybe Nunez falls apart again. It has happened. It happened before Pena. It will happen again someday after. It is always there in her style that she can just have a moment where everything turns and falls apart. It almost ha- it felt like it almost happened in this fight at times. Yeah, yeah. She she almost got armbarred. She yeah. threw herself at some triangles. But yeah. like you look, you look at the Katz and Gano fight, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's like when it shows up. You you see it there. It's like it's almost like a Michael Johnson kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like not that bad. Yeah. Well, clearly it's it, it's only happened to her a few times instead of every two out of every three times she fights. Yeah, it's uh. But she she really just she wasn't having it tonight, man. She oh. just really was in her bag. Yeah, I mean, I think it it really does probably speak to the idea that for Nunez having proper preparation and having proper training and being really confident in the work she's done is probably super important. And and putting it, and, and probably know. putting the work in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's putting the work in, having that sort of preparation. Yep. Just, and, you know, it, it lets her that when she falls into a bad spot, she's like, no, I can dig myself out of this. I put the work in. I I had the good camp. I had the prep. I got myself in all these positions in the gym. And because, like, I think the last, you know, the first time they fought, she was running her, first, her, her own camp for herself for probably the first time in her whole career. 
and uh, I could, it's it's not hard to see how that could just be a total disaster. Yeah, no kidding. But she fixed yeah. it. Yep, she got it done. Well, here's okay. the question, though: Are we yeah. going to get a trilogy? No. No. No trilogy. No. A, I will be. Sh- I. I enjoyed this card. I enjoyed it top to bottom. I thought it was fun all the way through. Um, I doubt this does more than 200,000 buys. And I otherwise, too, like, Pena got mopped. I, I know that she can have, like, throw a Hail Mary. She's She's capable, and Nunez is capable of losing via Hail Mary again, but that doesn't really set up the dynamic that I need to see a third fight of this. Like, you just went out and lost every round badly when I would assume that Payne is in the best shape and also, you know, had a great camp and is perfectly prepared. No, I agree with that, but she did finish her. And, like, who else else is going to fight her? Like... Uh, okay, I mean, there is that part of it. There is the part of it where it's just like, well, then if not her, then who? And it doesn't have to be a main event, as we saw in their last fight. Like, it true. doesn't need to yeah. be a headliner. It's true. I just, it's not going to be, a, it's not a matchup that I think is going to, do, it's not going to boost any card it's on. So there's no business part of it that makes, that's going to make the UFC want to make it. Um, but like, also though, like, angle wise like what better there's no real other you know angle you could go after other than oh Pena won one and Nunez came back and got her title back who will win the third yeah no I I I see I see the potential like I just said I just don't think it'll actually I don't I don't think MMA fans care I don't think they care about that fight and maybe they don't care about any other Nunez fight but if Nunez doesn't want to fight Payne again, like what does the UFC like bring to the table to convince her that this is going to be like work, you know, Oh, this will, this will, this will be big for you somehow. Well, who knows? I don't, I mean, who yeah. knows what Nunez wants to do, whether she does or doesn't. Yeah. I, I just assume, I mean, you know, Payne can turn around and I don't know, fight Ketlin Vieira or Irene Aldana. And if, uh, she beats one of them, then she can fight for the title again, and we have that same ready-made storyline, you know? I don't know. I'm against the instant rematch here, even without a good other plan. I don't know what else the UFC could do, but I also don't care. (laughs) Fair enough. You know. Uh... Let's let's jump down though to the to a much easier future forecasting, which is the flyweight title fight between Brandon Moreno and Kai Car of France. And man, Joe Rogan was he was really set on the idea. I I, I kind of missed it early on in the night because I tried to tune him out. Um, but he was really set on this idea that Davis and Figueredo did not was not not going to return to to flyweight anymore. Mm-hmm. Until the the post fight speech, he's just like to Brandon Murray, he's like, "You're the champ now. Do you want to fight Davis and Figueroa?" It's like he, he's not the champ though. Figueroa's right. the champ, and Figueroa comes in, and you know, Rogan's like, "Do you even want to fight this dude?" 
And they're like, yeah, of course we want to fight. We want to fight him. We'll fight in Brazil at the end, in December. Great. We love each other. All good. Happiness, puppy dogs. Let's do it. Really kind of a weird moment, but um, a nice a nice little show of brotherly love between two flyweights that have some strange beef. That I mean, it's not strange because they've fought three times already, but it's otherwise their, their feud of personality seems very weird, you know? So the, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the UFC adopted a lot of their swag from the WWE and professional Mm -hmm. wrestling. And this is one thing I wish they didn't bring over. I cannot stand when someone wins a title or wins a match or whatever the case. And then like they instantly bring in some other challenger or the next matchup or the champion or whatever to have this little face off in the ring. It's like, dude, you're like raining on this guy's parade. Like he just fought his ass off and, and you're going to like trump his feeling of joy by like putting a, an opponent in front of him, whether they're cool or not. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well in MMA. It might work in WWE because it's scripted and all that, but in, in MMA, it, it, more often than not, it leads to awkward and just funky situations that are cringy. Yeah. And that's what this was. I mean, I was, Moreno I was like, that, look, I thought the fighters handled it well. Yeah, because Moreno, he was like, look, my kids are watching. Like, yeah. I'm, I got nothing but love for everyone. Like, no, no disrespect to you. I apologize for anything I might have said. It's nothing but love. I still want to fight. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're I, I adults think- here. I do think that that might have caught Figueredo off guard a bit. It took yeah. him like a full 10 seconds to figure it, to be like, yeah, no, you're great. And this is your moment. Wonderful. Instead of being like, you've just said some terrible words to me. Here are my terrible words in return. You know, yeah. he was probably like, well, why the hell am I in the cage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't mind it as much as you do, but I totally get what you mean. It is one of those things where, Especially when it is people actually going out, and I mean, I, not not that pro wrestling's fake. I, I mean, it is fake, but not that they're not putting their bodies on the line. But when it is a, a title fight and somebody has just gone through hell, like you really do feel, you know, it's just like you just let the guy have his day, you know. Like Brandon Moreno just went out there and went through three damned difficult rounds against Kai Car France. Let the man have his moment. Let's talk about the finish though. Yeah, yeah. And ha- let him have his moment because that little like toe to the abdomen kick he hit, sweet, beautiful. Man, and the craziest part is Kai, he was having his best round of the fight. Yeah. Yeah, like, he had that little moment where he like he caught the kick, he got on top, he was landing punches, split open Moreno just below his eye, mm-hmm. right? He's he's finding his range, he's getting close enough to actually land now because the first two rounds he was stuck on the outside just eating jabs, yep. and yep. bam, like almost out of nowhere comes this liver kick and Kai just drops. And... I mean, it was it was almost one of those. I don't know if you you remember Katsunori Kakuno, you know the. Uh... Karate dude who had like the crescent front kick. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit people like right up in under the ribs and the abdomen with the toes and the ball of the toe. It yeah. was almost one of those kind of kicks. Just this really snappy little front kick out there that dug the toes right into the gut. And 
beautiful. Yeah, I thought I almost thought Car France the way it slapped and the way it snuck in just above the waistline. I almost thought Car France got kicked in the groin there, but uh, no, perfectly clean, beautiful, beautiful strike. And yeah, it was just as Car France was starting to mount, find space, mount, come back, do his own pressuring, get into range, land some big shots, and uh, Moreno just stole all his thunder. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, man, this is, and like he already had a win over him. He does a decision win. So for him to come out and finish him, like that's, that's saying a lot. Like he's really separating himself now, and you know maybe maybe Figueredo won't fight it. Maybe he can't make 125 again. Maybe he can. Yeah. It doesn't matter if if he does, then they'll fight for a fourth time. And if he doesn't, he's got Pantoja right behind him. I was gonna say this is both. Oh, this has got to be a very. Hey, it's a great day. It's also got to be just a little bit of a bittersweet day for Pantoja because I actually had to go back and check. Check the record when I realized what he was talking about in the cage after his match when he was screaming for the title shot. And he really did go out and beat Brandon Moreno and Kai Car France in two weeks back to back. Yeah, Pantoja's the man. Like, he has to be looking at this and being like, this should be my title shot. This should be my interim title. I should be the one in there facing off with Davidson Figueredo. Um, but yeah, if Figueredo can't make it, then Pantoja's right there to challenge. And even if they can do Moreno versus Figueredo in December, if I'm Pantoja, I'm just like, you know what? I got to be prepared to sit on the shelf for eight months and get the winner. Yeah, and I, I need to see it. Yeah. I, I'm really high on Pantoja right now, but we'll get to him in a bit. Yeah. Brandon Moreno, he's the interim champ. Joe Rogan thinks he's the regular champ, and that's okay. Yeah, whatever. Joe can, Joe, Joe likes to think a lot of things, and, uh, you know, we, we're, we're all used to it by now. Uh, that brings us, though, to a heavyweight bout. Sergei Pavlovich, Derek Lewis, and a um, bit of a downer. I think we were all, they started swanging and banging, and we were all like, yeah, yeah. It's happening, it's getting wild, it's getting crazy, and then it's just like boom, done. You're like, wait, wait, no, come on. I'm, I am, I am still, I am still, I'm not finished yet. I'm not, you know, I'm right. still ready. What yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lewis was mad. Uh, yeah, Texas, I can Texas was it. mad. Yeah, Texas was real mad. Um, it is the one time I think I've ever seen Tan Dan step in too early to stop a fight. Usually he is the, the last person to stop a fight. He'll have like the corner, you got that Russian guy in, a, in a, ACA or whatever coming in, waving it off. You've got the fighter tapping out himself and then Tan Dan's out there at the end being like, oh, okay, you know what? Maybe this is done. I, I've heard... I got a telegram that says this fight's probably stopped. <laughs> but uh, Lewis did commit the cardinal sin that is almost always going to get a ref to step in and stop a fight early, which is that he fell face forward into the mat. And 
it was an early stoppage. It was not a good stoppage. I would have liked to see Dan Dan let it go. I can get why Lewis is mad, but if you fall flat on your face, then if the ref steps in, I, I can't be too upset with him. You know? Yeah, uh, I think first and foremost, we got to talk about fighter safety. That should be number one. As yep. much as we want to see violence and brutal knockouts, we also need to also accept the fact that these are human beings and they have families to go home to. And we have to keep this a sport. Like this isn't Walmart, right? Like we, mm-hmm. this is a sport. So you have to error if you're going to error, error on the side of safety. And like you said, Lewis did the face plant, not a face plant, but he definitely went all fours face down. His uh, face hit the first the, the floor before any other part of his body did. Now, he may have picked it up as, like, immediately, but he was in, like, a upside-down V-shape for just a half second. So had Tandan not stepped in, would the beating have continued? Probably. More than likely. Yeah. Do we need to see that? Not necessarily. Would we want to? Would we watch it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But do we really need to see that? In the frame of a sport, I'm, I'm not so sure. In the so frame sure. of a sport like, and, and a family and all of this kind words that are making me feel bad, sure, I'll acquiesce to the idea that I don't need to see it. It won't stop me from going to sleep tonight. But, you know, I can get why I get why everybody was mad. Except yeah. Sergei Pavlovich, who was just like, hey, I, I punched him, he fell down, what do you want? Yeah, I mean, Pavlovich did no wrong here. He did his job. He did exactly. He kept going to the referee said stop. The referee made a call. You know, this is this is usually the kind of call you would see um, maybe with guys who are much earlier in their career. Yeah. And newer to the sport or newer to the big league, so to speak. If this were in in the amateurs or in some in a first five fights like gladiator challenge, CFFC, whatever kind of thing, I'd be like, yeah, that's not, that's totally foot solid. Or someone who's like a shell of their, their former self. Sure. You'll see that as well, like protected legends. And yeah. I get if, it. If Bigfoot Silva's out there and he's getting cracked like that, man, absolutely. Like, you know, helicopter drop an extra ref in to make sure it's doubly waved off. Why you got to bring Bigfoot Silva into this? I know. He shouldn't be. I don't know how he's getting sanctioned. That's uh, he's, he's fighting over in Russia. And, you know, uh, we've, we've all seen some of the crazy. Like, I've seen men bare knuckle boxing on cement over there. Oh, I, yeah, dude. They have the medieval fights, too. They have the fights. It's like two dudes scrapping on a shipping container suspended over a lake with no fences. Like, you know, letting Bigfoot Silva fight is practically like, you know, that's like a a good commission decision. I see. Well, I I do think it was an early stoppage, but I guess it's better than a late stoppage. Yeah, yeah. And for Lewis, you know, uh, it's... Two straight knockouts and three knockout losses in his last four fights. So, yeah, he's, he needs to stay out of Texas for sure. Mm, yeah, and maybe out of the top of the division. 
yeah, it might be time for a step. Although the thing is, is that like I look around and I'm thinking like, well, what fight do I want to see Derek Lewis in right now? Who else is? Well, who cares? Like I watch him fight anybody. Yeah, but that's and that's that that is true. I'm just saying like you know, there is a there there is a Jairzino Rosen strikes on two losses too. Where's Augusto Sakai when you need him? Ah, uh, he's booked. They they put they've got a, a fight for Sakai I think against um the stretched out dude um Sergey Spivak yeah oh nice so yeah the, like guys like that you know yeah yeah it's true that kind of step back would be a very functional one for Lewis to make right now but like I'm I'm so down for that or he can even rematch some people he's already beat for Pavlovich though. He is now in this ever-growing pool of potential heavyweight title contenders with nobody to fight. Like, you got Sergey Pavlovich, you got Curtis Blades, and then you've got Taitu Ivasa fighting Cyril Gon. You got the winner of that fight. And then you have John Jones and Stipe Miocic out, out there as the two big fights that everybody is waiting to see if the UFC can book Francis Ngannou in, who is injured in the meantime. And all these people just got to, like, you know, all, all the guys who are actually fighting actively just have to keep finding ways to tread water. Yeah, Blades is in a weird spot. Yeah. He's in a really weird spot. Um, he definitely is. Like, he could he could hold out, but I feel like, man, he got blue balls in his last fight. Since Aspinall blew his knee out, and um, so he would be the obvious choice for like a two, the the winner of Tuivasa Gone, especially right. if it's Cyril Gone because Gone has already fought Francis Ngannou and lost. Mm-hmm. But then that leaves those like you know with Pavlovich, is he going to take a step back from beating Derek Lewis to fight Alexander Volkov? Because that's kind of like the kind of fight that's out there waiting for him is just you know. You just got to find a way to tread water and stay in the conversation right now. Yeah, that is a, that is a tough spot to be in. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Blades should wait for that, that shot at the gone Tuivasa yeah, winner. Right. So it maybe Pavlovich could fight the loser of that. Sure, that would also be possible. There, there are potential fights to be unlocked in here. It's just, it's it does kind of suck that, you know, um, we're looking at like it could be six months before we get any kind of heavyweight title fight that it might not include any of the active contenders in the division right now so they've got to be looking at the potential that you know they could be it could be eight months or a year before any of them get a chance anybody gets a chance to fight for anything that isn't Steve Miocic or John Jones or Francis did, did Francis sign a new UFC contract? Not yet, I don't think. So that makes things extra weird. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That heavyweight division is just stuck right now. Yikes. All right. That brings us to Alexandra Pantoja, Alex Perez. And Pantoja, he was fired up post-fight. He was fired up every second of the fight. I have to assume he was fired up pre-fight. That dude, he just went out there and buzzsawed Alex Perez. This was wild, man. This was wild for a couple reasons. Like, 
I, I thought he was he was going to make a mistake because he comes out and he just gets right on the napkin in yep. front of Perez and just starts throwing reckless punches and just like spamming like the yeah. buttons on the controller are stuck. Like he just starts going crazy and I'm like, yo, he needs to stop this or he's going to get clipped. Like I can see him going out if he keeps doing this because Perez can crack like, yeah. but Perez came in smaller than I've ever seen him. Like mm-hmm. I was a little thrown off by that. I didn't, I wasn't quite expecting that. Well, he struggled hard with the weight, his weight, you know, at least one of the cancellations he had in the past uh, two years was because he couldn't make weight. Yeah, and uh, dude just was like, I'm not fighting you. Like, you can't make weight, which I respect. Like, I absolutely yeah. respect that. And uh, so he comes out and he throws – Pantoja throws all these crazy punches and then, like, initiates this wild scramble that mm-hmm. ended with him jumping on the back while Perez was still standing. And just, and just cranking him. Gave him the Khabib to Conor McGregor kind of face crank to get yeah. the tap. And damn, dude. Yep. Like I've, he he seems like he, from his performance in the cage, his post-fight interview speech, like he is on a mission. He yeah. seems as ready as I've ever seen him. And yep. I am, I am actually, I would rather see him and Moreno mixing it mixing it up than. Uh, in a rematch instead of the fourth fight between Moreno and Figueredo personally. Well, he has already beat Moreno twice, Pantoja. Oh, they fought twice already. Yeah, he beat him on the he beat, he beat him on tough and then he beat him in oh, the UFC. Right. Oh, he but, faced uh, him on the show. Look at that. Yeah. Like it, it, I, you know, like that I said, was, I, I, that was a different Brandon Moreno, though. It was a very different Brandon Moreno, but like I can see why Pantoja had a fire under his ass because he's got to look at that fight between Cara France and Moreno and just be like, I beat these dudes back to back on week one week and then the next week I beat them, and they're over here, and then I beat one of them in the UFC itself. Yeah, like, and and now they're over here fighting for an interim title. Because I hurt my because I was hurt, and he he made he made that statement super loud and clear though, like going out there and just running through Alex Perez is exactly the statement that even if it takes eight months of him sitting on the sidelines, Alessandro Pantoja deserves to be in a flyweight title fight the next time he steps in the octagon. And man, I really felt like a finish was coming too, um, before like pre-fight. Yeah. Just because, like, when when Perez loses, he gets finished. Yeah. He, like you don't you don't win a decision against him. You got You you take him out, and usually it's early. Yeah. So he, perfect he's a real front runner in that way, where he either he either finds the tool to beat you right away, and then he's really hard to defeat, or you find the tool to beat him right away, and he crumbles in a hurry. Yeah, it was a, a risky game plan, but the perfect game plan also yeah. from Pantosia. I love seeing it. This was wild. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. epic. He definitely should get a performance bonus for this. Yeah, I would hope I would hope so. I'm not seeing uh, anything updated on, on the uh, wiki about the performance bonuses yet. But uh, that brings us down to a light heavyweight bout, Magomed Ankolaev, Anthony Smith, and... Um, yeah, the I curse. Mean, the curse of Chris Weidman continues. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess there's that. And man, for Smith really talking like he was just going to go out there and show Uncle Aya what's what, and like he didn't see what's special about this guy and all that. Smith really treated, started treating him like he was special in a hurry. Like Smith was real tentative to start this fight. Yeah, I was getting that John Jones feel out of him. Yeah. He was giving John Jones all the respect in the world. See, mm-hmm. this is, I mean, this would have never happened if Uncle Iav didn't know Anthony Smith's name. <laughs> if he didn't know his name, Smith would have had to go and, and show him what his name was, you know, show right. him what his name was, like he did uh-huh. Hector Lombard. But, you know, that's that's not a normal fight for Anthony Smith. No. Like, he can start fast, sure. Yeah. But like just aggressively going after someone like that is not really it's usually really competitive. He can drag you into a war. Um, but yeah. he was saying a lot of, about how, you know, Akalaev has never been in a fight and he's only been in like mixed martial arts competitions. And it's like, bro, he fought Kudalaba twice. Like, yeah, Kudalaba is the definition of a fight. There yeah. ain't nothing mixed martial arts about a Kudalaba match. Or Kudalaba yeah. match. It's all chaos. So, like, I wasn't really buying any of that. And no. I, I didn't expect Smith to come out victorious here. And I thought, when I saw him pull guard, and then I was like, oh, his leg is injured, then it made more sense. I'm like, sure. Why are, why are, why are people, why are like heavyweights pulling guard? Like, what's yeah. That? <laughs> But yeah, I guess I mean, he did what he had to do to try to survive. Just and to, I got to really, you know, I got to credit it to, to, to Uncle Aya for the tentativeness, for the injury, all of it. The dude is just, he, he doesn't, he doesn't screw himself up. He doesn't, he doesn't screw himself over. He doesn't let you screw him over. You have to find a way to outfight this man. You can't just go out there and be like, well, I'll just, you know, have a kickboxing match and land better shots. Because Uncle Ives, like, he doesn't make defensive mistakes. Smith kicks and he's checking the kicks. You know, like, you got to find something else to do. You can't just expect to go out there and have, have a fight you win because you went out and, you know, threw harder. Or right. work faster. Well, that's the thing. It's like this this whole division of light heavyweight is 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 all about athleticism. Like mm-hmm. your athleticism can compensate for whatever you lack technically, right? Like that's yeah. that'll get you right to the top. However, Uncle Iev, he's the outlier in that. Like yeah. he's he's the one that's actually complete. He's polished, he's well rounded, he's he is a technical mixed martial artist. And like that that's hard to deal with when you, you, you can't impose your physicality on him because he's physical too. Like he's an athlete. He's got his own assets and you know, his own attributes that he brings to the table. And then he has this whole different layer of, of just technique that is impregnable. Like it's so hard to land on this guy. Uh Like it's possible, but not consistently. You might yep. sneak a few in here or there, but over the course of a fight, he's gonna pick you apart. Yep. Like it's it's just it is what it is. Like he is a he is a top shelf, a world class fighter. And that is and, what makes the potential for him in a fight with Yuri Prashaska so fascinating. Because like, like Prashaska is he is the absolute pinnacle of that 
light heavyweight athlete idea that we're talking about, where it's like, you are wild, you are messy, you are aggressive as hell, you leave all kinds of openings, but you make up for it by the fact that you are huge and fast and powerful and dynamic, and you hit like a truck, and here's this dude who's going to want to go out there and, like, be cautious and take you apart and be hard to hurt. And... I, you know, I really honestly, like, the, just the technical geek in me wants to see that way more than I want to see Blahovich or, or Teixeira against Prashaska mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now. But Uncle Ayev is probably going to have to take another fight before that happens. Yeah. Um, there should probably be a number one contender fight for him. Although, I mean, but just on merit, I feel like you put together that kind of win streak that yeah. warrants a title shot. Uh, I want to say just like the – for nostalgia's sake, I want to see Glover get a rematch. Yeah, and if they're going to do that, then the fight we have to see is on Kalia versus Blahovich. You have to do that. Yeah. Like, that is a clear, you want a way for Blahovich to get back to a title shot? You want a way for Ankalaev to get to a title shot? Winner of that, guaranteed. No, well, no question. What's, what's also guaranteed is I'm going to take that week off because that's yeah. going to be a boring fight. I hope it's not five rounds because that fight's going to suck. <laughs> that's going to be a boring fight, and you know. Oh, it's true. It might. I still want to see it, but you're right. It, it, it does have the possibility for to be a very slow-paced, cautious battle. A lot of you know though it it would be a kick checking masterclass because nobody checks kicks in that division better than Jan Blahovich. Yeah, I mean they are they're amongst the two um, two of the most proficient strikers in that division. Yeah. Like technic technically speaking, Rakic is up there too. Yep. So it it will probably be another fight before title shot for Ankalaev just because we have Sharon Blahovich out there both of whom people want to see fight Yuri, both of whom, like, if one of them isn't ready to go in the next couple months, the other one could go, and people would be just fine with that. And But then, you know, Uncle Iev can take whoever is and get the title shot. If Teixeira's not getting the rematch, do Teixeira Uncle Iev. Like, I'll watch that. Yeah, you know John Jones is loving this. He's like, look at that belt just popping around, hopping from oh, waist yeah. to waist. Showing no loyalty to the man wearing it. That's that's always how it goes when you have a super dominant champ who then who whose run ends. There's suddenly just going to be like two or three years of three different, four different champs before somebody else steps up and really conquers the division again. Um, but yeah, it was a. Not it was not a thrilling performance for Ankalaev in the way that would you know we we all keep waiting for him to have this like big dynamic oh he just went out there and landed like a five punch combo and this you know other top contender just fell to pieces. Nah, we're not gonna get that because he's too smart for that. Like he'll do that to Kutalaba, but he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna like like you said he's not gonna screw himself. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I don't, I'm not waiting for that. No, but I mean that is, but but without that, he is gonna have to keep taking the slow road, is what I'm saying. Like, he's not gonna have that single moment that really defines him as the guy everybody has to see fight for the title. Then other people will be that guy, you know. Yeah. 
All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Oh, and just as a note from our producer, uh, Alessandra Pantoja did get a performance of the night for that win over Perez. Love to see it. Hey. And uh, other performance of the night went to Drew Dober, which we're going to hit here in a minute. And fight of the night went to Brandon Moreno versus Kai Kara France. Well deserved. You think so? Yeah. I would have gave it to probably the heavyweights. Uh, Maze versus uh, Bel Wahab. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was tragicomic and fun. I'll give yeah. it that. Yeah. It, it had an air of the circus about it. Then, you know, like the child and me love it. Loved it. Yeah. I mean, the Moreno, I mean, the first two rounds were really lackluster. Yeah. In the Cara that's, France, fair. that's fair. That, you know, like they that, had that, one good round. I will say our, our producer also just chipped in. Um, that Dober Alves, that probably would be the deserver for me, actually. That fight was really fun. I feel like that was one good round, too, and the other was just Dober taking over. Yeah. All right, whatever. Be, 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 be hard about it. I'll, uh... I got I to gotta represent the big boys, man. All right. They That's threw fun. down tonight for three hard rounds. They did. Let's talk about this welterweight bout, though. Alex Morono, Matthew Semmelsberger. This was a great fight, too. Um, I really love... This felt like exactly what I love to see out of Morono and also why it's so hard... Why it's so fun to see him do this kind of thing. Because he went out there and he just schooled Semmelsberger for, like, Mm -hmm. two rounds. Just slipping shots, countering... Like, got this really high arm, wild, funky, throwing almost from his, you know, throwing from his shoulders without a lot of rotation style, but just catching Semmelsberger off every time with counters, being really tricky and being smart, picking all his right spots. And then he just gets, like, blasted by a knee because he's... He's out there doing it for all the regular dudes. He's not the world's best athlete. He has to be smart and crafty and pick his way through a fight and be tricky. And the moment he's not, somebody like Semmelsberger can come in there and just put hands on him and make this fight close. And then, you know, Morono's got to go out there and, like, battle his way back through it to get the win. And I love seeing it. No, this was great. This was an IQ test for Semmelsberger. Yeah. And from Morono, honestly, like he, the the not the biggest key to victory for Alex was his footwork. Mm-hmm. Right away, it's in and out footwork, in and out. He's either he's either going to be in striking and then right back out before Simmelsberger can plant his feet and return something hard because Simmelsberger's easy hits really hard. He loads up yeah. on his strikes, and Morono knew he had no business hanging around in the pocket, and so he did it, and. Yeah. Two clean rounds from from Morono, just beautiful stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. Simmelsberger just not having an answer for it, not having the footwork for it. And then the third round comes, the doctor comes in because of this nasty mouse under Simmelsberger's eye. Like I thought they might have called the fight because it looked like he couldn't see, but he got the pass from the doctor and – Simmelsberger runs across the octagon and throws this jump knee that catches Morono, and 
that was his that was his little window of opportunity, and he just couldn't capitalize on it. Yep. Running just was a little too tough. You know, was able to tie up, stall it out a little bit, and recover long enough to to where he could uh, survive the round and and get his decision. But man, he almost did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that's what I love watching about with Morono fights because he's. He has to play everything so close. He has because he's not he's not going to be faster than most dudes. He's not going to be tougher than most dudes. He's not going to be stronger than most dudes. So he has to navigate and just do it every play everything right to the bone, and that means you're walking a tightrope and anybody can put you in danger. And it makes his fights fun to watch. And it's really damned impressive when he gets in and get you know when he plays the gatekeeper he gets wins like this. Because you're just like, man, that dude had had a huge power edge over you, and you didn't you took it away, you know? Yeah, I'm still sad about what he did to Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, that was not it was not fair to put Cowboy Cerrone in with a fighter who actually really game plans really well and is really smart about his approach. Because Moreno did just kind of go out there and just put the screws to him. Yeah, but but hey, this is this is four fights in a row for him now. Yeah. Maybe he's going to get a step up in competition, fight someone with a little more clout. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are dudes like, uh, oh, uh, Jake Matthews out there or, like, um, Randy Brown and, yeah, I don't know, you know, Nicholas Dalby just got a good win, Daniel Rodriguez. Like, there are a bunch of dudes hanging right around the edges of the top 15 that uh, would be great for Morono to take a step up with and face off against because you know you know, no matter who he's fighting and no matter how good they are, he's going to come out with a really good idea of how to have that fight. And they might just t- t- take him, you know, take him apart anyway, but he'll he'll have the right idea. You know, he had the right idea against Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis just was like, "No, I'm still. I, I, I was. I used to be a champ. Trust me." And Anthony Pettis just beat him. You know, but yeah, that was wild. That might have been Pettis's last win. Uh, yeah. No, he beat Miles Price at PFL three. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, well, you know, they needed they needed Pettis to be in their uh, in one of their tournaments. All right, uh, that brings us to lightweight bout: Drew Dober, Rafael Alves, and man, was this the absolute prototypical fight that we wanted to see out of these two dudes? With Alves coming out and looking so fast and so strong, and you like you see Alves. In, in those flashes he has, and you're just like, this man could beat anybody in the world. In the first round, he hit this right hook to clinch trip takedown on Dober, just like smashed him to the mat, right into top control, and you're just like, that was gorgeous. Nobody could, who, who could defend that? What could right. anybody do about something that fast and that dynamic? And Dover, you know, he just got beat up that round. He didn't have any answer. But he went right back to pressuring in round two. 
right back to putting Alves on the cage, right back to just throwing volume. And even if it took him throwing four strikes to land one, he stayed on Alves all the way through and started beating up the body, started picking his shots well, just taking whatever target Alves gave him and ended it with a, a huge liver shot KO, which an actual one punch body punch KO. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, this was phenomenal. And that's that's what I like about Dober. He'll stay the course. You know, he'll get yeah. tagged and beat up, but he's gonna yeah. continue to to fight the way he fights. And he played this one so smart. And if Alves could fight the way he does in the first round for three rounds, I don't think anybody beats him. Yeah, but I mean, he, it was even that moment in like the second or yeah, in the second round where like Dover threw like a ten punch combo and missed every single punch, and then Al- Alvis is out there doing like a little shuffle dance and stuff, and like the potential is all there for him. It's just focusing it into something that wins multiple rounds of a fight. It's a, yeah, it's, but it's it's his gas tank. It, it's it's a unsustainable style. Like, it's just not humanly possible for him to go that hard for 15 minutes, let alone 25. Like, I he don't just get, can't do it. He's I, a sprinter. I, I, you know, it, it might be true. I just wonder. I wonder if it's that or if it's just a headspace thing, you know, where, like, he does really well for a minute or two. And he's like, oh, you know, I landed something really hard on you. What can you do to me? You know what? Can I don't you... think it's that at all, man. Like he comes out yeah. throwing this crazy capoeira kick. Like the dude throws everything into his shots and everything yeah. into his grappling. Like when he had that takedown, like you can just watch him in top control, just using every muscle he has to control someone. And it's like you don't have to do that, man. Yeah, like, that's true. He just it's it's you know he still has the ability to hit that hard and be like he still carries that power late into the fight. It's not like it all just goes away and vanishes. True, true, very true. It's like Yoel Romero, kind of. Yeah, and, and like Michelle comes out, Pereira, too. You, still, you yes. see with Michelle Pereira as well. And look at him, though. He dialed it yeah. back in. Yeah, that's what Pereira. I'm saying. I think it's, it's possible. I think there's a way to, for him to do it. But yeah, it's either he's got to he's throw with less bad intentions or he's just got to really focus on like not getting backed into the cage not you know letting himself fight off the back foot just because he's slick and fast i think he feels like comfortable like it's fine well i think that's just his way of recharging yeah like the same way romero does like he'll back himself up just so he can breathe and recover for his next explosion yeah and like Pereira, he he the way he cured no it's not fully cured but the way he he tried to correct or is trying to correct his gas tank is by deploying more fundamentals, mm-hmm. you know, just using more jabs and crosses and maybe not backflipping in the cage. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And the, they showed Rafa, Rafa Alves doing like five backflips right before this fight in the back, like warming up. <laughs> yeah. That's like you're, you're exploding for no reason. Yeah. You have a, you have a finite gas tank and just being smarter with it because yeah. The flashes of brilliance, like it's that's exceptional stuff. It's just, yeah, I mean, he is unquestionably a top five athlete in the lightweight division, like no question. There, there's nothing that Michael Chandler or Justin Gagey can do that Hafael Alves can't do physically. You know, aside from manage their gas tank. Well, yeah, 
<laughs> managing it. And like, it, it, that's a real problem. I mean, it's a real, you know, not every great athlete becomes a great, not every person with great athletic potential becomes a great athlete, I guess I should say. Yeah, like, correct. We, you see it all the time in other sports too. There are dudes where they're like, oh my God, this guy's 40 times out of this world. And then he washes out of the NFL in like two or three seasons because he can't catch the ball, you right. know? stuff like that and it it's it's hard it, it is it, just having all the potential does not turn somebody into a winner but you can definitely see it right there with alves because like the tech you know he, like i said the, the technique and the, the defense is there too at times where he's just out there like flowing and slipping punches and you're just like man nothing should be impossible for you but it's but, taxing to, to dodge punches like that, like yeah. to move that fast at the speed in which the hands are coming at your face. That yeah. takes a lot of gas. That's not it easy does. to do. But man, that finish was phenomenal. It was. Like just, it was a cross. Like Dober was standing southpaw, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And so this was a this was a straight. This yeah. is like Melvin Gillard, Gabe Rudiger. Like this was this is one of those because usually when you see body shots ending someone's night it's usually like a left hook to the body but this was a cross this was right to the solar plexus bam yeah oh man and the way alves folded up like yeah. that's that's even more of a testament to how taxed his gas tank was yeah like he was completely done when it comes to striking contests i'll say i mean i don't know that there's anybody as rugged in the UFC is Drew Doper at this point in his career. Like, yeah, that dude, if you want to stand and trade with him, you better be, you better be more technical than him every step of the way and able to compete every step of the way, because he will be right there in front of you, throwing with power, standing in the pocket, putting it on you every minute of the fight. Dude, I would love to see him fight Gaethje. Yeah, I, I, I don't would know that love, he's ever going to get there, but I would love to see that too. Just, I, I don't care if it's a sparring session. Like, these guys need to go at it. Mm-hmm. It could be a kickboxing match for all I care. But that is just one fight I would love to see. Yeah. In the meantime, what about, like, Drew Dober, Drew Dober versus Jalen Turner? Isn't Turner fighting next week or something? I don't think so. He just got done with the fight. Did they book him again already? Let me see. Maybe not. Turner is... He faced Brad Riddell and beat Brad Riddell and got a performance on the night bonus, and that was in yeah, the July 2nd. So, Man. I don't see any other outs listed for him. Well, Dover was talking about he only wants exciting fights, and that's a very exciting fight. Yeah. I like it. Turner's yeah. all long. I'd like to see how Dober uh, deals with that length. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I'm here for any, that. Any mid in any mid card action fight, right? You know, keep keep him right there at the top edges of the top fifteen. If he can pick somebody off and get his way into the top fifteen, great. Put him on a run. If he can't, just keep him in those fights constantly, all the time. You know, so much fun, man. I think he's getting close to the. Uh, UFC record in the lightweight division for most most knockouts. Which is wild because this is a dude who, like, early in his career, when he first got to the UFC, he was not a knockout puncher. 
Mm-mm. He has that is something that he has learned purely over time. Drew Dober on the regional scene, he, he has some TKOs. Those are all volume attrition TKOs. He used to be like a scrappy, attritive Muay Thai kind of guy uh, who would just go out there and like have a battle with you and lean on his chin and survive to as far as he could, you know, to, to wear you out. And it is really only happened in the UFC after he went through a bunch of losses that he learned to start sitting down on his punches and somebody must have been like dude you're built like a fire hydrant why are you punching like a pillow yeah you have he, no excuse he definitely turned a corner yeah and uh it's probably just a testament to him staying the course with his striking and yeah learning and, to be more technical learning to be have better form learning that he has the chin that he doesn't need to be bouncing around all light like sit down and take the shot they're bringing to you because you can deliver it back yeah, man, he's so much fun. He really is. All right, that brings us to a heavyweight bout. Hamdi Abdelwahab, Dante Mays, and this fight was right there for Mays, right there for him to take. And, and he shot on Abdelwahab <laughs> in the second round and just got pancaked. Just like, I don't. I think that really may have even woken up Del Wahab up again to remind him just like how easily he could out wrestle this dude if he wanted to. Wait a minute, are you telling me it was a bad idea for Mays to shoot in on the Olympic wrestler? <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah, low um, IQ, very yeah. low IQ. And, and low-fi cue for Abdel Wahab for not starting, for not just going there to begin with. Yeah, just going there for every second of every round. Because after the first round, I, I figured this would be the way. Like, Abdel Wahab, it was a, you know, he won the first round. He looked like the bigger puncher. He looks like he could take keep Maze from doing anything he wanted and hit hard and all that. And then he's never fought anybody at all like this is right almost the first pro fight of abdel wahab's career he's he's had one guy he fought that was like four and four that took him to a decision that was like a really legit tough fight everybody else has been cans and he has crushed them and so i you know i wasn't at all surprised that he gasped and after that every time they were on the feet maze was just able to tee off on him and hurt him um but I, I, you know, I'll still be... So, yeah, little low-fi thing, learning process for Abdel Wahab. Like, you are an Olympian. Don't... You don't need to hang out with some 6'6 dude who can take a punch. Um, beyond that, though, I'm impressed by Abdel Wahab, honestly. The yeah, fact he, that he, he showed a lot. Yeah, that he was able to dig deep and win the third round when he was gassed after the first. That's a lot, you know? Yeah, it shows he's got a chin, which is mandatory in this yep. division. You got to have that. He showed um, perseverance, which, I mean, he's a wrestler. They're most likely going to have that. Uh, but he can make real-time adjustments in the fight, yeah. and yep. he's coachable. His his corner told him, hey, what are you doing? Go out there and smash yeah. this guy. And he did, effortlessly in the third. Oh, yeah. Like, Until he, the last 45 seconds, then he almost got knocked out. <laughs> 
but that was only because the referee stood him up for that. I know, I know. But it's like you have this path. Curtis blades your way to the top. Yep. He just needs to learn some ground and pound. That's the big thing missing from his game right now. And fight you, like like overall generalship and and how to MMA people. Like it's That'll it's come it's time. great that you can throw bangers. Like, yeah. yeah, everyone can hit hard at heavyweight. That's great. Now, use that to set up your takedowns if you even need to do that. But if you could just become this bear and you come out and just absolutely maul people on the ground, like, you can take the Curtis Blades route, but, like, expedited because Blades wasn't finishing people for the longest time. So people, you know, weren't excited yeah. when Curtis Blades was showing up. I will say it is going to be e- even though heavyweight is a thin division, it is going to be very difficult for Abdel Hub to build that game just fighting UFC fights. Like, it, for a dude that I, I mean, I would say being reasonable, this is really honestly the the second pro fight of his career among about, uh, several amateur bouts. Like getting to a level, you know, if he has, if he wins three fights, you know, they're going to throw him in there with like, you know, somebody like, somebody like Augusta Sakai. So I, I, I don't care. I know. The dude dude wrestled in the Olympics. Like he's no stranger to competition. It's it's different. It's true. That's, that's, you know, that's just shy of combat experience. Like that's, it's true. That's right there. He he knows how to compete. He knows he knows like how to fight at a certain level. Yeah, I mean it's I don't think it will take as long as you think for him to get up there. I I mean you would, I will say the heavyweight division is regularly it is regularly people with dudes who run all the way to the title within the first three years of their career. More way more than any other division That's in very, America. very true. But also, they don't they don't have the same sort of sort of skill set. Like yeah. having this wrestling at heavyweight yeah. is such a, a hot commodity that no one has except for Curtis Blades and, and, uh, and what's his face Romanoff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to see it. This was a given that I thought this was a fight that Abdel Wahab would lose when he had that bad second round. Like I picked Mays, I'm like, yeah, Abdel Wahab will start out. He'll have a good first round. He'll hit the wall. Mays will win. Given this was a fight I thought Abdel Wahab would lose for the exact fight he had, the fact that he won it, I got to give him all the credit for that. Like, but it's like Daniel Cormier. Like he was, he made his debut in '09. Like oh, and in, in 2011 he's fighting Jeff Munson. 2012 he's fighting Josh Barnett. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. There's so, just if you have that kind of that you're that caliber of athlete, you're that caliber, you have that kind of skill set, like you have so much potential. And I feel like this dude has the fire. Yeah. I mean you you look at guys, you know, Francis Nganu, Brock Lesnar, you know, yep. these dudes. The heavyweight has a regular string of dudes. Even 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 Cyril Gon. Like Gon's barely you know, he started fighting in like twenty eighteen. In MMA, and he's you know fought for the he fought for the belt uh, early this year. Like it is a regular thing in heavyweight, where Kane Velasquez is the same way too. Where you just you go out and you have a little if you're that caliber of athlete, you can run straight up the division 
and maybe you'll have a big fall after that, or maybe you'll just stick around for a decade because everybody does. Yeah, true. So I'll be fast. And end up double hop being 29. Like he's young enough, you know, it's not like he's gotten a late, a really late start by heavyweight standards. So I am fascinated to see what he does off this. This was a good debut for him, all things considered, even though it was a hilariously ugly fight in the end. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was fun. Yeah, it was It was fun. And, uh, you know, it, it was it, hilariously ugly is still a lot of fun. Um, that brings us to a lightweight bout for Car Close, Rafa Garcia, and um, solid bout, honestly. Um yeah, I don't know. This is pretty good. I thought uh, I was surprised that Garcia got some takedowns. I knew that that would have to be a core part of his game if he was going to win this fight. Um, but by and large, Close was able to shut down most of the wrestling and outbox him and won a solid decision in a very competitive back and forth fight. Yeah, uh, Rafa's takedowns, man, they're surprising. Like yeah. he, he's he surprises you with them. He he gets them when you don't think he will against guys that you're like, man, are you really you really just took him down? Yeah. Okay. And he hits really hard, and he'll catch you by surprise. But Close had a really smart game plan, just kept applying pressure and get and, and making Garcia go backwards. Because mm-hmm. if Garcia was going backwards, he wasn't coming forward with his takedowns. He wasn't landing big punches. And close, just you know, it the fight was close, yeah. but Jakar just he just kept pushing on that gas pedal, and you know it worked out for him. Yeah, solid fight for him, building himself. I don't know that he's gonna get that Tony Ferguson fight that he asked for. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst idea from Tony Ferguson from from a person who wants Tony Ferguson to not take really hard fights that might kill him. It wouldn't be the uh, worst idea in the world, but it also might be a fight that Tony Ferguson is not at all interested in. Yeah, hard for me to see Tony taking that fight. Yeah. But you never know. Yeah. But yeah, no, close, good, solid win for him. He had to to work for this one. Absolutely. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Michael Morales, Adam Bujit, and... uh, also a pretty good fight, honestly. I think this was a good learning experience fight for Morales. Um, he really didn't... I really thought he would wrestle a lot more because Fujit is so funky with his kick-heavy, body-kick, low-kick-heavy style and throwing left hands off of a straight-off kicks and stuff like that. And he caught Morales a few times doing that all, all through the fight, made the fight fun and hard and diff- and all that, but... uh Morales just stood, stayed really calm and picked him off with bigger, heavier shots and made it. Like I say, it's, it was good. It was like, it was a good thing where if like, I think if you're a fan of Morales, if you're a fan of him as a prospect, this is like the best version of a young fighter getting rounds, you know? Sure. Sure. I mean, there's a lot I didn't like um, sure. in terms of, like I'm concerned about his defense. Like his striking defense is really porous, and yeah. it's it's one of those where he he fights like he's the most athletic guy in his gym. Yeah, he and fights so like he, he gets away. Get yeah. Right, like he gets away with a lot, 
because mm-hmm. maybe he's faster than all his training partners, more more explosive. He can just slip and move, and he's super young, so it's forgivable. But he really needs to add on a layer of polish and tighten that up because yes. that doesn't scale. You can't you can't carry those bad habits late no. into your career. It's not going to end well, especially in the UFC. So. You know, as your as your body slows down and your reflex reflexes start going, uh, you you need to rely more and more on on your technical prowess. You need to lean into your defensive skills, and this yeah. is the time for him to realize that yep. and start honing that. So he's twenty three. He has all, all the time in the world. This was a he, he found a way to get the finish here. Yeah, uh, awesome sense. fight, but. Definitely needs to work on that defense. It scares yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just missing parts to his game all over. But like I said, it's just to me that makes this a good experience. Like this should be a fight that you you turn and look at and grow from. And be like, wow, that guy hit me really hard when I had my hands down there. Should probably not do that. Or wow, he took me down really easily in this position because I really wasn't expecting it. I should not let that happen. Man, his right hand is such a piston. Holy yeah. smokes, that Dude, thing is serious. And he, the, I mean, the, the thing I, the, the thing I liked seeing in there when he was getting hit, when he got taken down, when he was on the bottom, when he was going through some some hard rounds, some good, you know, I, he won every round. It wasn't, I thought, I can't believe the two judges actually scored the first round for Fujit off of that takedown and top control where he did no damage. Um, but he seemed like he was winning every round, but he's dead calm, which is good to see. Like there's no panic in 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 that fight from him, and that's given a guy who was who has some funk. Like Fujit's not an easy fighter to face. He does some weird stuff. He does some creative, consistent, hard nosed kind of kind of striking. And uh, Morales just stood right in there. I was like, Nah, I can land way harder than you. This isn't a problem. And it wasn't. So credit to him. Yeah. All right, Curious to bring- see where he goes. Like I'm, yeah. I'm excited to, to watch him grow, for sure. Definitely. That brings us to a catchweight bout. Jocelyn Edwards, Gian Kim. Uh, very Not a good fight. Not a no. good fight, Zane. No. Just two women throwing one-twos over and over again. And, and sidekicks. And sidekicks. And Edwards landed harder with more power, and she won, and that's all. All right, that brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Nikolai Negomarianu, Ihor Portieria, and um, man, Contender Series was hyping this dude up. The commentary was hyping this dude up. I could see this loss coming from a mile away. And Negomarianu just beat Ihor Portieria's ass. <laughs> Just yeah, hit. Uh, behind the woods. He was he's been sipping on that same water Pantoja's on. Yeah. They had the uh the Space Jam water jug that Bugs Bunny brought out. Yeah. Yeah. They gave no Fs. <laughs> they just they were like, We're storming castles tonight. You ready yeah. to see this? And it was crazy too. I love the way he played it. Like mm-hmm. he comes out and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get this takedown. I'm gonna get on top, real grindy kind of style." 
And then the second round is like, bet. You're tired? Cool. Because yeah. I'm coming with hands, punches and bunches, fists of fury. And he just let him fly and got himself a standing TKO. Like, yeah, Potieria, you can tell. I mean, that's the thing. Unfortunately, for a guy like him, good athlete, has some fun dynamic ability, has some power, used to crushing cans. And when he got tired, did that, that really showed up. Because he tries to, like, do that little, like, walk away, oh, I'm hurt, oh, surprise elbow thing. And Nego Mariano just, like, I think he found that offensive. Because <laughs> he just opened up on him. It's just like, you're going to turn your back on me? I am just going to beat you five ways from sundown. And he did, like, that was just a mauling. Good old... A good old-fashioned, passionate ass whooping. Yep. So, rough landing in the UFC for Potieria. I think there's still a lot of potential there. I think this can also be... This is the less good kind of learning experience. If you've got, you know, if you're a fan of young prospects, Morales is the, like, oh, wow, you went through some hard rounds, and then you knocked that dude out. This is more the... There needs to be... an Adjustments need to be made, because the career you had before the UFC did not prepare you for fights like this. And he got no performance bonus for this. What? Yeah, no, like with that, man, that's, that's too bad. Cause Negu Mariano deserved a performance bonus for this. He may wait, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. No kidding. That's whack. It is. So, Great win for Nega Mariano. He's now 4-1 and one in the UFC after starting his career off with a loss to Saperbeck Safarov that had everybody, me included, being like, man, RXF, that does not prepare you for the UFC. He had his own <laughs> learning moment against Saperbeck Safarov, and now here he is uh, three years later dealing, being the guy dealing him out. And I like where he's going. because Yeah, that's so weird. Like that's Sassafras's only only UFC win. Yep. Was Nega Mariano. Yeah. And the thing that's... that we've learned in the time since is that Nega Mariano is ridiculously tough. Just triple tough. And that's gonna get him places in this division. Because there are not a lot of dudes who can eat shots from all comers. You know? Yeah, man. He fights like he's a lightweight. Like, yeah. He he has that speed. He's 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 got volume, like, and he can take shots. He can take serious tough, yeah. power. So I'll be excited to see where he goes if he can use that to actually climb into the rankings. Oh man, the worst part of all this, the worst part of the beating, is he landed that uppercut that knocked out the mouthpiece. Yeah, of, uh, I didn't say Potieria. Yeah, and uh, the referee never found a moment in the flurries to like stop it and put it back in. So he had to eat all those punches and all those knees to the face without a mouthpiece yeah. in. Yeah. Like there's that... no way he has all his teeth. No, no. This is going to be a real hard learning time, learning moment, teaching moment for what the area. So you want to be an ultimate fighter. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our opening bout and Orion Kosi, Mike Mateta, Blood Diamond, and, um, yeah, you know, kind of all the flaws on display for both men. Because 
Kosey went out and he hit that body lock takedown exactly the way he should. And Diamond climbed his way back to his feet. And my God, Kosey's not prepared to strike at this level, even a little. And he does a lot of panicking on his feet and he started to gas out really hard. But Blood Diamond's not ready to grapple with or wrestle at this level at all either. And so he gassed out really hard. And uh, then, you know, you get two guys that are gassed, you bet on the wrestler. Yeah. That's all Pretty much. Leaned into his grappling as he should have. Yep. <laughs> Blood Diamond yeah. just isn't that versed. And no. when it comes to dealing with that kind of top pressure. Nope. So... Kosey grinds out the win, and uh, all right, Blood Diamond might get another fight in the OC because he's Asanya's dude. Maybe they can call him Raw Diamond. There we go. Yeah. Rough <laughs> he's diamond. just so raw. Rough diamond. Rough. There it is. He's just not polished. No, not polished. But uh, yeah, that's about it. That wraps things up for us, I think. Um, you know, Nunez gets her title back. Does she face Pena for a third time? And Moreno, he got his win. He's facing Figueredo. And uh, Pantoja out there just waiting, licking his chops, hoping to get a title shot out of all this sometime at the end of the day. And he deserves it. Yeah, he does. On that note, you can find me on Twitter at TheZaneTime. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at BloodyOva.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast, BloodyO Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. All that good stuff, and we will see you in one week's time for UFC on ESPN, Santos vs. Hill. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, hop over to the Bloody Elbow Presents SoundCloud and iTunes pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We are also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Mookie and Crookie Show, The MMA Vivisection, The Level Change Podcast, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, exclusive fighter interviews, show money, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com.